Wednesday night, we introduced a little bit about the book of James. We mentioned that James, this James, is the half-brother of Jesus, is the one that God used to record this book. And we mentioned, I've, I've thought about it a little bit, can you imagine growing up with Jesus as your older brother? I mean, that'd be incredible, wouldn't it? Um, but he was the half-brother of Jesus. He was the first pastor of the church at Jerusalem, which was the main church, the original church. He um, ended up being a martyr for Christ. We mentioned that they despised these people that pledged allegiance and faithfulness to God. But James didn't always. We mentioned that James and his brothers did not believe in Jesus during his earthly ministry. And they did not, they weren't on, on his side until the resurrection. And after Jesus rose again, he made it a point to appear unto his brother James. And from then on, James was a believer. The resurrection transforms lives. And James ended up being persecuted, as we mentioned, martyred. But he's writing this letter, and he begins the letter, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. We'll get in and look at this in just a moment, but I want to ask a question. Why is it that there is a, I'll say good, I don't mean good in the sense of good versus bad, but why is it there is a fair number of people that depart from the faith? And it seems like it it grows, that uh, many times um, individuals that grow up, in the faith, so to speak, can often depart from it. You've known individuals that maybe walked with God and and somewhere along their life, maybe adult life, departed from it. And we'd say, why would that be? How does that happen? There could be a number of reasons, and some we may never know, But I believe somewhat that contributes to it would be what we're going to look at here today. Um, This aspect of the difference between a slave and a servant is very, very important. James, a servant of God, the the. Greek word that is used there is doulos, and it really 
It does not mean servant. It appears 124 times in the New Testament, and it is correctly translated as slave. Just once is it translated as that in the King James Bible when when um, it is speaking of a individual that is a slave. I'm curious, do any of your Bibles that you have here say, James, a slave of God? Okay, one, one person, okay. Now, this is, this is foundational, really. Um, the more we look at it, there is a huge difference. How many of your Bibles say, James, a servant of God? Or a bondservant of God. How many of them say that? Okay. Now, I, I don't want us to get lost. I'm, I'm not addressing the whole Bible version thing today. Um, we're dealing with this issue of the difference between a servant and a slave. A servant is someone hired to do something. A slave is someone who is owned. There is a huge difference. Slaves are owned, servants are hired. Jesus said, no man can serve two masters. His whole context of this was slavery. It wasn't servanthood. You can serve two masters. You can go to work in the morning and work for someone, and you can have a night job, and you can serve two masters. You can't be owned by two. And, and this is a major difference between a servant and a slave. The overwhelming majority of English translations thought there was too much of a stigma with the concept of being a slave that it was too too strong of a downside, it was too humiliating, too belittling, so they opted for the word servant or bondservant and eliminated the word slave. In the time that James was writing, he embraced it. He said, James, a slave of God. And they knew what they were talking about. They understood. And again, I'm not giving a message today on slavery of mankind to mankind. We're not addressing that. But they understood slavery and they understood the relationship of this in their relationship to God. They understood slaves were on the block for sale. If you wanted to buy a slave, you would go to the slave market. You pick your slave. Then you pay for your slave. Then you own your slave. Then you control your slave. And you provide for your slave, you protect your slave, you discipline your slave, and you reward your slave. That's slavery. Now, 
the New Testament believers embrace this concept of being a slave of Christ. And their analogy was this. Let me just back up. The unsaved world called followers of Jesus Christ Christians. It was a derogatory term. It wasn't a term that, um, what should we call ourselves? It was a term given to followers of Christ by the world. They were called Christians first at Antioch. The believers repeatedly called themselves servants, slaves of God. I am a slave of Christ. You read Fox's Book of Martyrs, and many of them, when they were asked to recant, they would say, no, I am a slave of Jesus Christ. What is your response? I am a slave of Jesus Christ. The same word is used referring to Christ who made himself of no reputation in Philippians chapter 2 and took upon himself the form of a man and became a, it's translated servant, but it's the term slave. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. Paul, writing, says, Paul and Timotheus, the servants, it's the same word, doulos, it's slaves, the slaves of Jesus Christ. Paul used the same terminology in Romans 1 and verse 1. He used the same ter- terminology in Titus 1 and verse 1. Peter, turn to Second Peter chapter 1. Second Peter chapter 1. Peter uses the the same terminology, and and I'm bear with me. I'm just doing this to make us realize this is something they embraced, and you have to understand Simon Peter, a slave and an apostle of Jesus Christ. Jude, the first verse in Jude says the same thing. John, the book of Revelation, says the same thing. And, as you've seen in James, James, the servant of God, the slave of God, and of the Lord Jesus Christ. They understood the slave market, and they understood salvation. The Lord went to the slave market of sin. And he chose them, and he paid for them. The price of redemption was not silver or gold. It was the blood of Jesus Christ. And they were bought with the price. Every one of them identified as a slave of Christ. And these are the terms. Oh, we do have it up here, okay. Notice they are chosen. They are bought, they are owned, they are subjected, they are dependent, they are disciplined, they are provided for, protected, obedient, and rewarded. 
They understood this. It wasn't just pray a little prayer and add Jesus to your life. It was, no. He has chosen me. He has bought me. He owns me. I am not my own. I am bought with the price. 1 Corinthians 6 tells us. So that means I am subject to him. He owns me. I'm not just a, just, um, a partner with him. And slaves were dependent upon the master for their very livelihood. And so the master understood that. And he provided for them. He protected them. And the slave's responsibility was to be obedient. And this was the concept that the New Testament believers embraced in their relationship with God. That is why I turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Notice verse 3. Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus a curse, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord but by the Holy Ghost. No man calls Jesus Lord or Master except the Holy Spirit does a work in their heart and they respond to the call of God. See, this, this aspect of being a slave of God, we are slaves of sin born into this world. And in understanding, the Spirit of God comes and He does a work in our heart and He paid, Jesus Christ paid the penalty. But these terms, and, and I know it's hard for us. It's, it, this is not an easy message. It's not an easy message to deliver. It's not an easy message to hear because it goes against our nature. We don't, we don't like the term slave. We don't like to be owned. We don't like to be subject. We don't like to be dependent. We don't like to obey. I mean, that's just the way it is. That's our nature. I mean, we think kids have a hard time obeying. We just learn how to disobey a little more sneakily. And... This being delivered from the slavery of sin is only possible through the working of the Spirit. And we come and we say, I want a new master. I am a slave of sin. And you might say, I'm not a slave of sin. I do what I want. That's the same difference. You're a slave to self, which is a slave to sin. And the Spirit of God does a work in our hearts, but we need to understand we are exchanging masters and 
we are owned and we are subject and we are dependent and he disciplines us. I mean, we don't line up. God disciplined me. Your kid doesn't come in and say, hey, it's been a couple weeks since you disciplined me. I'm about ready for one, aren't I? We, we want to come and pick the things. Provide for me? Yeah, I want that. Obey? Well, let's see. What is it you want me to obey? Uh, I don't think that's what you want me to do. Let me go read some commentaries that disagree with that, and then I can say that those commentaries tell me I shouldn't, so I don't need to obey you. And that's how we do the Christian life. And it's wrong. It isn't just adding Jesus to another master here. It's him becoming my master. And he owns me. Now, if we stopped right there, it would, um, it would be kind of a downer, okay? But being a slave of Christ begins a wonderful relationship. When I am a slave of sin, my master, Jesus said, you are of your father the devil. My master is the devil. What does he come to do? Steal, kill, and destroy. Look around at the world today and see what's happening in the world today And it is a spiritual warfare going on to steal, kill, and destroy. I mean, just in the most common things. They aren't building monuments to our history, are they? They're destroying the monuments. I mean, we could go on and on. That's the master. But when when I respond to the Spirit's working in my life, I now have a new master, and it is a loving master who is all-wise, compassionate, generous, powerful, resourceful, protective, kind, merciful, and forgiving. Sign me up. Oh, wait a minute. He's still a master. You know what? You are going to have a master in your life no matter what. Oh, you don't want to be subject to him. No, I do want to be subject to him because he alone is all wise. He is compassionate and generous and powerful and resourceful and protective and kind and merciful and ultimately what I need for giving. That's the master I want. And see, what we react to, dependent, subject, owned, bought, obedient, it is through that door that we are then brought to a relationship with Jesus Christ as our master. See, Jesus is Lord. You'll see those bumper stickers. You'll hear people say it. It means Jesus is master. It's easy to put a bumper sticker on a car, but it's a whole different thing, you know. 
to have him as my master. Shaking your fist. Don't you pull up in front of me. Jesus is Lord. Not in my life right now he's not, but... See, it's a whole different thing when you come to realize this. But even if we stop there and, and we don't have the time to go into all the details, but then God begins working in our life and he takes you from being a slave to a friend. I no longer call you slaves but I call you friends. Ah, this is the master. He's coming and sitting down with me by the fire and sharing with me. And he is my friend. Wow, that's the kind of master I want. But then he goes on and he says, I, I don't just call you friend I call you a son. Wow. Brought to a father-son relationship. It's not a cold, impersonal master-slave. It, it goes beyond that. It's a friend. It's a sonship. And not just a son, but now I am made to be from a son to a joint heir. I am included in his will. There are some people that aren't included in their will. But I am a joint heir, joint heir with Christ, the Bible tells us. See, this whole thing, they embraced it. I am a slave of Jesus Christ, and I know that leads me as a friend, as a son, as a joint heir, and as a citizen then of his kingdom. Do you understand no slave in the Roman Empire could be a citizen? They couldn't own anything. They didn't have any rights. They couldn't give testimony in a law of court, a court of law, sorry. This is a whole different kind of slavery. He provides everything you need. He makes you his intimate friend. He gives you full disclosure of what's on his heart. We have the mind of Christ. He brings us to his inheritance. We are members of his kingdom. I mean, this, is, this isn't just pray a little prayer and ask Jesus to be your co-pilot. No, it's God, I am committing myself. You are my master. He that confesses with his mouth that Christ is Lord. You are my master, and, and I embrace this fact. And as I do, I'll come to know his friendship. I'll come to know his compassion and mercy and resourcefulness and forgiveness and so on. So, it ultimately comes down to this. You must choose who your master is. Turn to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 
24. Then Jesus said unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. Notice what he said. And and this is found... In Mark chapter 8 and Luke chapter 9, the exact same, verse 24, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. If any man will come after me, he must choose to be a slave of Christ. Now, I don't even want to go here, but I'm just going to touch on it. God chose us, right? But he said, if any man will come after me, he must deny himself. My brain is about pea size, and I can't understand all this. But God chooses, and God gave man a free will. And if you say, I can't buy that... Take it up with God, okay? You'll get it when you get to heaven. Don't waste a lot of time on it right now. But the reality is, God has chosen. Who has God chosen? I believe God chose every individual that has ever lived. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever calls on him should not perish but have everlasting life. God has made it possible. He is willing to be the master to anyone who will come after him. If any man will come after me, he must deny himself. I am not the boss anymore. You are the master. You own me. You paid the price for me. I wouldn't have life if it weren't for Jesus Christ. You paid the price for me. You own me. I embrace being a slave of yours. I am subject to you. I am committed to being obedient to you. But see, we don't like giving up our control and our rights and our way. We want a man-centered theology that you just add Jesus to your life. And then go on living your own life. Got my insurance, eternal insurance here. I'm going to heaven when I die. Christ is not come to be our helper, our buddy, or our assistant. He has come to be our master and owner. The gospel is not an invitation to become Christ's associate. It's a mandate to become his slave. Spurgeon said, The early saints delighted in counting themselves Christ's absolute property, bought by him, owned by him, 
and totally at his disposal. That's why 1 Corinthians 6.20 says, We are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit. Well, I thought I was free in Christ. Yes, you are free to do what the Master desires. It's not a freedom to do whatever I want. It's a freedom. Before I trusted Christ, I could not obey God. But now, the Spirit of God dwells within me. I've called upon Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sin. The Spirit of God dwells within me. He gives me the power to obey the Master. And that makes all the difference in the world. So I go back to the very beginning, and I said, why do so many people fall away? I believe much of it is, I don't know that they've fallen away from the faith. I don't know that they've ever been in the faith. I believe much of it is we we want to add Jesus, but we don't want to make him our master. It's all or nothing with Christ. Does it mean that if I accept him as my master, I'll never sin? No, but our master is forgiving. He knows our heart. And he upholds us with his right hand. And we can rest in him. But it means that we are submitting to him. You are the master. You are all wise. You are all knowing. I am dependent on you for everything. True Christianity is not about adding Jesus to your life. It's devoting yourself completely to him, submitting wholly to his will, and seeking to please him above all else. Not pleasing self, not living to please others, but living to please God. And when we do, we go from a slave to a friend to a son to a joint heir to his kingdom. And so James begins by saying, James, you better listen to me. I'm the half-brother of Jesus. I'm the senior pastor of First Baptist Church of Jerusalem. James says, James, a slave of Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, may you teach us Lord, these feeble words cannot accomplish what needs done. But may you teach us to embrace this truth. And Lord, I pray that even today, if there are those that are in the, in the avenue of decision, Lord, I pray today that they would choose you as their master. I pray for every one of us as believers that we would have a renewed embracing of you as our master. That that you would show us where we're resisting. That you would show us where we're not obeying. And Lord, that we would know the joy that comes through obedience. And that we would know the joy of friendship and sonship and inheritance in you, and Lord, to know the reality of your kingdom. 
Lord, I, I just stand in amazement that me, this vile, wretched being, can call you my master through faith in Jesus Christ and to know that you are desirous of working in my life. Lord, may we know the joy of having you as our master. And Lord, may the lies of Satan that bombard our hearts and minds, even as they did Adam and Eve, oh, you don't want to follow him, he's mean. Lord, you alone are merciful. You alone are generous and compassionate and forgiving and all-wise. You alone are what we need. So may we embrace today as James to be the slave of you, the perfect master. We praise you in Jesus' name.